This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 70, Tommy V on Hypnotic Confidence. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. So how did you first find out about hypnosis? This is Jason Lynette here, and that simple question of how did you find out about hypnosis is probably one of the most telling questions that you can ask a client that's coming into your office, or maybe even the event planner that's calling you if you're a stage hypnotist. And what's interesting is that, unfortunately, there's often this polarizing conversation in our profession, though to point to several folks in the history of hypnosis that really had this wonderful balance between both being the stage hypnotist as well as the hypnotherapist as well. And that brings us full circle to this awesome conversation you're about to listen to with none other than Tommy V. Tommy has been in hypnosis now for well over 25 years, and you'll hear the story of how hypnosis really, figuratively, maybe literally, is in his blood as lovely as that sounds. And you're going to hear some conversations involving things about classical themes, but also how do we address them in such a way that build for a much more empowering result. So whether they are the suggestibility test, how do we build expectations with clients? How do we put on a presentation in our local community that packs our office with paying clients and even the theme of what do you do with a client where things are perhaps not yet clicking, things are not yet budging in terms of that change process. Tommy's a worker. He's got some awesome ideas and some ideas and tips and tricks to share with you here. So let's jump right in. This is session number 70, Tommy V on Hypnotic Confidence. So we kind of bounce around inside of the conversation. So I'm curious, I, I was glancing on your website and it referenced that your very first show was back in 1991. Yeah. That's yeah. So the magical question often becomes in all things, personal change. If I knew then what I know now, what would you have done different? Well, how let's, let's kick it off. Right. How did that first show go for you? you we're not recording now, correct? Oh, we already are. Oh, we are. Great. Seamless transition. <laughs> uh, the first show, great. As I remember, it was a college show, and I was behind the curtain, and there was about five or 600 freshmen for orientation, and they were chanting my name, Tommy, Tommy, nice. and I was really nervous. I was like, what did I get into? <laughs> I stood in the center of the curtains, and they it opened up, and there they were. And I was nervous, but all of that kind of goes away once the show gets going. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a, a little maybe frightening at first, overwhelming. It was a, it was a fun time. And um, did you ask what would I do differently? Or yeah, well, if you had to go back and give advice to yourself, basically yeah. about twenty five years ago, what would that be? The, the biggest thing is uh, I wouldn't have been as nervous because mm -hmm. there's no need for that. You know, as long as you're prepared with anything, I guess in life. You deserve to walk in with confidence, not being nervous. A little nervous is okay. But there's no, you know, I was pretty nervous. And um, even Barbara Streisand or Frank Sinatra, they would get a little nervous before going on stage. But a little bit is okay. As Orman McGill used to say, as long as the butterflies are flying in formation, <laughs> it's a good thing. So um, I guess I would be, uh, I wouldn't be as nervous. It's non-productive. It's a waste of energy. 
And I, I'd reference that, yes, there might be, I'm sure, some venues that, quote, may be more difficult, may be tougher than others. Yet I can channel back to when I was working in a theater career and having to moderate auditions was one of these just oftentimes exciting yet often painful experiences <laughs> because it's that statement that the people in the audience deep down inside really want you to succeed. It is to be on the other end of that table in an audition process. It's painful to see someone up there just flailing, failing, bombing at it. So to be there in that experience where they're not only chanting your name and they're so expectant of what's about to happen, to really embrace that. I love that as a mindset. You're right. And um, it's interesting. We teach that to students who are learning stage hypnosis about having that mindset that the audience wants you to do good. So some entertainers, you know, they think backstage, oh, my God, uh, they, they, someone wants to see me fail or whatever. That's totally untrue. They want the audience, especially if they paid, they want you to be successful. They came to see a great show. They came to have a good time. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so if you develop that mindset that, hey, we're going to have a good time, the audience wants to see me, I think you become a better performer. Which this even translates over to the hypnotherapist as well, because there's, I mean, in my honest opinion, way too much conversation at any convention, at any class about the resistant client, the client who was not willing to participate. And I think these are unfortunately more often created than they're found. That it's yeah. it's the result of a lack of rapport. It's the result of a lack of explanation of the process or really to use the word you just shared, that of the mindset going into it, that this person's going to show me everything I need to see. They're going to guide me to where I need to take them. And together we're going to have a great time. I guess that's perhaps called expectation. Hey, that'll work out for us. That'll work out. So oh. I'd share, there's an interview that I think I may have referenced this on previous recordings. And it's, it's helpful to know who it is I'm talking about. He's not even involved in the hypnosis community. He's someone actually who used to be on Saturday Night Live and the actor comedian Jason Sudeikis. And it's a, it's an amazing interview where he He's now probably doing more movies than anyone else has done since that show in rapid fire succession. And he's being interviewed and the interviewer goes, so what was it like telling your parents you wanted to leave school and become an actor? And this comedian actor basically responds, oh, great. You clearly didn't do any research because my uncle is George Went. Not that my uncle got me my start in my career, Yet I just came from a family that it was more accepted to, in his words, run off and join the circus and, and be an actor. And here we are chatting. And how, how would you say it was growing up in a hypnosis family? And for those that don't know, your father's Jerry Valley. Right. It was very interesting. Uh, he probably got into it when I was in the eighth grade or maybe a freshman in high school. And I had no interest of it in it too much. And I didn't get into it till I was around 30 years old. Hmm. So I used to see dad do the shows and we would, he would take us, he would get booked at resorts in New England and we would make it a family vacation and go overnight. And so I was always exposed to it. And then I saw him going to work at night in his office after working at a full-time job during the day, seeing clients. And I had even used hypnosis in the eighth grade for history, for improving my grades in history. But I had no interest in it. I went off to college and, and did hotel business and 
and really didn't get into it till the age of 30. So, but it was fun. It was fun. Uh, it was no big deal though. I mean, he was pretty well known and still is. Um, but it was, uh, it was interesting going, traveling around doing the shows with the family. It was a lot of fun. So then let's rewind it back then. What was that transition for you? What was it that motivated that shift into the hypnosis community? Are you ready for this? Yeah. I got fired from the hotel. Hmm. I lost my job in the hotel business and I didn't want to get back in it. I was discouraged and uh, doing all sorts of things in real estate and furniture work. And then my father suggested, why don't you try hypnosis? And I said, I don't know. And I thought about it and I said, well, I don't want to go on stage because I consider myself shy. So I said, I'll do the clinical stuff. And then I went off to the NGH and, and became certified, which at the time was a two-day class. Mm -hmm. And I got trained by George Bien, who was fabulous. Then I went in my father's office and worked alongside him training and, and did clinical hypnosis for a few years. Then one night, Jerry said, I have a local show next town over. Why don't you come down to my show? You can come out as a guest stage hypnotist and do a couple experiments. And I said, well, yeah, I guess I could do that. So uh, he did that. We had a big show, a dinner show, and he brought me out on stage. And everybody, of course, was already hypnotized by then. And I came out and did a couple experiments, like make the belly button disappear or have them sing or dance. And then I left the stage. Then I went home and said, gee, uh, maybe I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty easy. So I made up a one-page flyer that had my photo and a paragraph, I'm doing all sorts of shows, and at the bottom were these words, universities, television, radio, supper clubs, corporate, fairs, and so on. And, and I hadn't done any of those yet. And it didn't say that I did, but it implied that. So, that, <laughs> you know, I started mailing out the flyers, and that was 25, 25 years ago almost. So now I am both. I do clinical hypnosis and comedy stage hypnosis, and it's a great combo. How, how do you draw that line, if at all? Because I know that there's some stage hypnotists that would even go so far as to hide their hypnotherapy career. There's some that are even the hypnotherapist and using all these words interchangeably, whether it's consulting hypnotist, hypnotherapist, hypnotist, you get the idea. Do you, do you draw a line between the two in terms of how you structure your thinking around it? Yeah, well, there are some hypnotherapists that think that stage hypnosis hurts the hypnotherapy business. And it does if they're bad shows, perhaps, or people get embarrassed or hurt on stage. But I think just the opposite, and I, I, I think it helps my business. I've gotten many, many, many clients in my hypnosis office from my shows, especially if they're local. If they're near your office, then they can come to your office. If I'm out of town, uh, thousands of miles away, obviously they won't come to me, but I will promote the local hypnotist wherever I am. So I think it's a good thing when I, you know, it's powerful when somebody comes to your office to lose weight or stop smoking or whatever. And they say, you know, I saw your show the other night. That was pretty powerful. They're already, they already have the right mindset. So it's a good thing. It works well for me and it's not a problem doing both. So how do you respond to that person who perhaps feels that the stage hypnosis may be giving it a bad name, even if it is a quality show where no one's being embarrassed, no one's being put in uncomfortable situations? Well, Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I, I disagree with yeah. that. If, if it's, if it's an uh, ethical show, there could be somebody in the audience that says, 
wow, that, that hypnotist made that person forget their last name and they looked at their license and they couldn't see it, say it. Maybe, maybe they could help me stop smoking. What's wrong with that? So that, that I say to them, you know, an ethical show actually helps you out, sir or ma'am. And even if you don't want to do shows yourself, every clinical hypnotist might want to think about stage hypnosis training because there are techniques you can use in your office and it builds your confidence and you can do local demonstrations and so on to get clients. So I, I think they might want to reconsider if they think it's hurting the business. An ethical show doesn't hurt the business. Yeah, there's actually going back to a previous session that I actually did with Scott Sandlin, and it's either number 35 or number 37 in this series, where we were chatting and it came on to the theme about just the concept of showmanship, and, and not necessarily just the showmanship inside of a stage hypnosis presentation, yet there we are one-to-one -one with a client, and there's this air of showmanship, whether it's navigating through that classical intake interview, delivering our pre-talk and setting the expectation for the process that there's something to be said about. I, I feel there's even more of showmanship nowadays in my sessions than there even is in the, in the stage shows that I still do. It's true. I mean, a lot of clients are coming in expecting something amazing to happen. Many of them are. And, and I always believe, and, and Jerry, my dad, believes that you know, one of the most important things with helping your client to be successful is to impress them. And and when they come in the office and if you impress them with something or, or you or what you say or what you do, that's good. If they're in a little bit of awe of you, that's good. If they saw you on stage and you and you did this magical thing up there, which really isn't magical, but to them it is, you know, and they walk in your office, they believe you have this ability to help them change quickly. So let's get specific on that. How do you how do you go about doing that inside of a one to one session? Well, I have a, uh, some tips and tricks to uh, impress your people. First of all, make them feel welcome during the interview. You know, get a little bit of rapport going. How many kids do you have, and so on. Mm -hmm. We do what we call the hand circle experiment, which is a visual thing that impresses almost everybody. On the back of our business cards, we have uh, that sentence with the ofs, the ofs. Oh yeah. And, and I've been using that for over 20 years now, and, and it blows people's minds. So these little things impress people. And, and I think just your level of confidence, which you need to have in your office, impresses people too. That's what I have to offer. Yeah, yeah. So then let's bring it over to the stage program. How do you, how do, you do it there? Well, <laughs> when you walk out on stage, you need to be confident also. Very confident. And I do the hand circle experiment on stage. Yeah. I and just to reference, that's the whole look at the circle, look at my face, stick it on your chin. Right. Yeah, yeah. Circle on your chin, you have it on your cheek. And that's a visual thing, which is stronger. And 98% of the people will put it on their cheek, and you say, no, your chin is down here. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it works all. It's very simple. It's like Simon says, but it's, it's a visual suggestion that works. And, and on stage, I love, 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 love doing the hand clasp experiment. Yes. Well, hand lock experiment. It is extremely impressive in an audience. The larger the audience, the more impressive it is. When you have people standing up in a 250-person audience and 20, 30, 40 people, their hands are locked and they stand up, that's pretty amazing. 
it blows my mind. <laughs> However, I never do that clinically in the office one-on-one, -on -one, that experiment. Why not? Well, because I do other experiments and yeah, I do testing, it, of course, but that this is an experiment that they either pass or fail. Right, yeah, that's a good if point. If the client does not lock their hands, they may and probably will feel that, geez, uh, I don't think I can be hypnotized. Mm -hmm. Falling back test, the arms rising and falling, they don't know what's what the results are. That's why I don't do it. Yeah, I share a thought on that, which is okay. that as I do, whether it what we're referring to basically are in the category of suggestibility tests, and whether it's in the office or more specifically in a stage environment, there's this moment maybe five, six years ago that my sequence used to be with a group of people. I would do the, the light and heavy arms. I would do the circle test, as we've been referring, and then the classic finger magnets. And for whatever reason, one day I it was more in the moment. I was less on my pattern and leaning on what felt normal and just realized that by accident, I was doing the finger magnets first. Okay. And then I was doing the circle test after that. And to rewind the story back to give it the right context, whenever I would do that light and heavy arms, I would be all inside of my own head critiquing, judging, getting angry at the audience, because there I was telling them to hold their arms out, one hand up, one hand down, close your eyes, and become aware of the sound of my voice, and go through all the patter of this hand's getting heavier, it's holding books, this hand's got balloons, it's getting lighter, and I would maybe get compliance, let's say, at best, like 40-50% of the crowd, yeah. and it because I was asking them to do something where they were closing their eyes. So here's the show that I did that it's this big insurance event out in Roanoke, Virginia. There's five, six hundred people out in the crowd and I'm, I'm in the moment. It's a great event. And I do the finger magnets first. I do the circle test second and then realizing, oh, wait, I'm about to call for volunteers, but I still want to do that light and heavy arm thing. And going forward at that moment, and the story goes, you kind of had to call in the janitor to pick up my jaw from the floor, because looking out in the crowd, suddenly I had full audience compliance. Wow. I had everybody, eyes closed, one hand up, one hand down. Did they all have the same result? Of course not, and we reframe whatever their result is. Yet more specifically, that compliance step and to unpack that, it was this moment of, well, we can talk about compounding levels of suggestibility in hypnosis, yet there's something to be said about just compounding compliance steps as well. Your eyes are open with the finger magnets. You're getting to know, like, and trust me. They're getting impressed, to use your language. We're then doing the circle test, which my phrasing around that is, I don't do that to say gotcha, but gotcha. <laughs> and then explaining why I did it. You heard everything I said. You saw everything I did, yet you followed this series of instructions. And then to go into the eyes closed phenomenon, again, that magical moment of looking out and, oh my God, everybody is doing it. So you think the changing the order? Yeah, that, that it came down to rather than going, it worked or it didn't work, which I'd share in recent events. Now, the numbers are not 100%. On right. the hands lock test, yet to follow that same lineage now and then do the hands lock. Right. Suddenly now the numbers are so much higher. Right. Because it's that foot in the door, it's that foot in the door, it's that foot in the door. Here's something that I have done 
a couple times at shows, comedy hypnosis shows that I picked up from Jerry. And I think it's pretty bold, but it's amazing and it's impressive. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do the hand clasp experiment right now. So if you would put your arms out like this. And before I even do the experiment, this is works with a larger group, of course, a couple hundred people. Ladies and gentlemen, before we do the experiment, I have a feeling right now, before we even start the experiment, that some of you are already locked. <laughs> Your hands are locked right now. Stand up. And sure enough, out of a couple hundred people, you'll get a couple that stand up. Yeah. Tell me that's not impressive. <laughs> I love that. I love that. There's what well, you and I have given, I'd say they're presentations that are similar in theme, yet perhaps our styles are different because I do a whole thing of supercharged hypnotic phenomenon. And then you often will do a presentation on the suggestibility test, these impressionable events. And it's the point where sometimes it's just that little bit of a throwaway statement that creates every bit of the response. That it's how we as hypnotists often would, we'd get hung up in the tonality. We'd get hung up in the difference between this word versus that word. But the power of just that statement that's just thrown in there, as I'm going for a arm lock, an Aaron's to the arm stiff and rigid, the more you try to bend it, it gets even stronger type moment. The, the moment that I'll just sometimes throw in there is, my phrasing is, I'm going to count forward and this thing happens more and more. And one, the shoulder locking in place, two, the elbow straightening out, three, the wrist getting stuck in position, and the line is number four. Oh, you're already doing it. The hand squeezing tightly down, which is this moment of either I'm commenting on it and discovering it, or I'm creating it by suggesting that they're already doing it. Either way, that hand squeezes down tighter. But it's that place of, again, I love that in terms of just, uh, oh, some of you, it's already happened. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What What's the reaction to that when you've done that for a oh, crowd? It's a, it, it just blows everybody's mind. And it blows my mind, too, again. You know, so they're in hypnosis when they lock their hands like that, like level two of hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So, And they're wide awake, and they're alert, and their eyes are open. So the audience is blown away, and very often the people that lock their hands, they're blown away. I mean, you have people that, that oh, my God, they're looking at their hands. They can't believe that their hands are locked. So it's extremely impressive, and that's, again important in hypnosis whether it be clinically or on stage to yeah well i mean take the stage environment and here you are beginning your program officially and i've already had the foot in the door because of experiences like this right right to be in that session with a client and i mean my whole thing is let's just eradicate that thinking of uh, i felt relaxed i guess i was hypnotized right to instead guide them to that place where the change is actually getting produced, guide them to the place where, wow, this is different. And, and to ride that in terms of, I mean, it's where you're working with a client for weight loss and the make or break moment, in my opinion, is what are the results from session one to session two? Exactly. That that's going to guide the process. That's going to guide the expectation and just in terms of how well it goes. So bringing in more of the confidence, bringing in more of the phenomenon. I love these themes so far. You do a lot of trainings, and I'm curious to ask, how many, if you had to give a percentage, how many people are you interacting with in a training environment that, let's say, are brand new to hypnosis, 
versus those that are already doing hypnosis yet are now expanding their skills? Well, I teach uh, clinical hypnosis. So those are new people that are getting that want to be uh, certified as a clinical hypnotist, a certified consulting hypnotist. And then I also teach comedy stage hypnosis. And again, that, that those are all types of people. They could be somebody who has zero experience in hypnosis, somebody who's uh, only a clinical hypnotist. Uh, we've had doctors, we've had brain surgeons, uh, we've had priests take our training, all sorts of walks of life. So some are into hypnosis and some have never been into it. Yeah, yeah. If you had to split it up, how would you say it is? Oh, out of all the students we've had, I say most people are, are new to hypnosis. Yeah, got yeah. it, got it. So then from that perspective, I mean, to kind of look at it from both the new student coming in as well as the already seasoned professional expanding their skills, you know, we did this earlier in terms of your arc, your experience, but what would you say is perhaps, let's say the biggest need in our hypnosis profession today? The biggest need. Can you rephrase that maybe? It's extremely general on purpose. <laughs> the biggest need of what? Of someone learning hypnosis? Someone learning the profession itself, the state of our training, the state of how we are. Take it wherever you want. Well, again, there's clinical and there's stage hypnosis. Get some sort of training is the biggest need. I mean, there yeah. are people out there that, that just... Uh, uh, try read a book and they start practicing you know take take lots of training and i still take training mm -hmm. I, I think it's a lifelong thing you never you never know too much and you know i'm a comedy stage hypnotist been doing that for 25 years i love going to see other comedy stage hypnotists even today I, I'll, if i'm not working and if i'm in a town where there's another show and i can i'll go see the show uh, in support of that person and also to see what's going on out there mm -hmm. and to learn. As far as clinical hypnotists, go get some training, talk it up, be ethical, be honest, don't promise the moon to people. <laughs> and, and, I, and I say that to clients when they call up for clinical hypnosis over the phone. I'll tell them, I say, listen, if you want to come into my office and you want me to wave the magic wand and poof, Wow, I'm a non-smoker. Wow, I lost 30 pounds. I don't bite my nails anymore. Poof. If you want me to wave the magic wand, I'd probably say, come back when you're ready or save your money. If you want to come in and say, I really want to stop smoking and I'm looking for some help, then I can help you. So no magic wand. Yeah. No. And people ask, will it work for me? Will it work? Is it guaranteed? Well, no, it's not guaranteed. And even your doctor doesn't guarantee that you're going to be successful when he gives you the medicine. They don't know whether you're going to take it or not or whether it's going to work for you. We guarantee that we'll give you all of our support and everything we know to help you. And it works if you want it to work, sir or ma'am. That's the deal. It works if you want it to work. So let's get specific on that because I think this is a category that maybe the intro training doesn't necessarily get into as much as it, as it could or I even would even go should. But how do you handle that moment where, from your perspective, everything is going the way that it should, yet the change is not budging? You mean I have a client that's not successful? Yeah. I never have those. How do you define that? 
I'm just clinging. I'm just <laughs> if you hear somebody say that they're hundred percent, I would run the other way. No, there's um, a, I'll leave out who it is, but he's a business trainer. He's not a hypnotist. And the line was <laughs> he was selling an investment program and you heard the moment of a lack of ethics where the line was virtually every client I work with makes their money back and much more. Oh my But then again the word virtually. So I, I, I've heard some hypnotists, some hypnotists say, virtually everybody I work with stop smoking. It's like, well, uh-oh, virtually. <laughs> if I have a client that comes back and they're still smoking, they haven't lost any weight, uh, they haven't changed, first of all, it's a little discouraging sometimes mm -hmm. when, you, when you do everything you can to help a client and for some reason it's, it's not working. And that's what they say when they come back. They go, it's not working. What do you mean? It, the hypnosis. So you, I feel a little bad for them, and but you have to stay positive and, and you do it again and, you, and try to find out what's going on. But you know, are you doing? Did you did you listen to the recording I gave you? How do you feel? Why do you want to make this change? It's just I'd rather be on stage all day. Hmm, yeah. Now I share. There's a similar thought where. The metaphor would be the client is still the one always driving the car. Exactly. And we're the GPS helping them to get there. So there's an unfortunate side effect of the statement I'm about to make, which is that that becomes a place where I'm going to do everything I can to bring the client into the process even more. That place of here's an extra recording, here's an extra technique to make use of, which the unfortunate thing is... Now there's a hinge to hang it off of if there's no movement at that point. Well, I taught you these things and you still didn't do them. And I'm not looking for that gotcha moment, yet I'd share the side effect of even that, though, is should that now rarely be the concern? Because usually, okay, here's an action step. What's something that I, I love the question of, let's do this right. Okay, right now it's Friday and it's a little around noon. And we've got our next appointment scheduled next week, noon as well, also Friday. And I'll simply ask the question, what's the feedback you want to come in here telling me right. the next time you're here? What are those things you want to have happened? And that's going to start to reveal some action steps, things that we can motivate, things that we can begin to anchor the process off of. And as this happens, here's the result. And as that happens, here's the result. That's great. You know, ask the client, what do you want to do between now and next week? And it also goes back to the initial interview. Why do you want to stop smoking? Mm -hmm. Why do you want to lose weight? How would your life be different if you made this change? And, and you got to nail that down. So if they're not changing, there might be something else going on. But you 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 keep going. Maybe they'll maybe they'll change on the second session. Beautiful, beautiful. So you've got some cool opportunities coming up and some ways that people can interact with you. You've got, and I love the, the pitch of the, what's the name? It's the ultimate stage hypnosis seminar. That's been in production for probably 15 years yeah. now. That's our stage training with Jerry uh, Valley, myself, Michael DeShallot. That is coming up in a couple of weeks, right before the NGH convention. It's pre-convention includes the whole convention, the fee for that. Nice. And, uh, and I'm doing some uh, other one and two hour sessions at the convention also. And yes. we so for the for the hypnotherapist looking to expand their skills, not just with perhaps yes, there's the option of offering stage hypnosis, but then also, I mean, in terms of all the business stuff that I do, whether it's consulting or my my training stuff, it's how 
my, my whole thing is about getting out into your community and being seen and giving those live talks and the skills, the confidence of being the stage hypnotist is directly, I feel, the best training for really people to get out there and talk about what they do and not just not just tell, but also show in that experience. Awesome. I always preach, get out and do lecture demos to gain clients. It's a, it's a very inexpensive way to do it. Cost your time and maybe a few business cards. And I did that this January to May. I went on, on a rotary tour. Nice. Rotary clubs. And yeah. they love they love speakers. You don't get paid for it. You get a free lunch or breakfast. Maybe you get a pen. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm bought- looking at three of those pens right now and the little Jefferson <laughs> cup if they do those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you pick up a couple clients, you know? Yeah. And, and it gets your, your name out there and you get your card in their hands. No, I mean, as much as we can get really, really savvy and, you know, I, I do some workshops on Facebook marketing and the pitch is off. And if you want to sell a product to people in Phoenix, Arizona, who like peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you can position yourself in front of those people on Facebook in a matter of 10 minutes. Yet all of these things that we would do sitting at home and typing things into our computer, using all the new gadgets, nothing beats getting out there and being seen, giving people the actual experience. It's, it's true. And I mean, I can I can point to a local Rotary group that resulted in like eight or nine clients in the first month. And I've been doing, what's it called? Their uh, Interact, which is the high school level of Rotary, I believe. Oh, great. Yeah, that I've been doing a fundraiser for them ever since. So, so, so what did it cost you, Jason, to do that initial Rotary talk? That I'm not even going to count the gas mileage because it's on the way to my office. <laughs> it's great <laughs> i live around uh burke virginia i live in burke virginia the meeting was in springfield my office is in alexandria it's all the same road and, and what's great is to be there in front of these groups and go as they're raving two questions are the follow-up option number one hey i also do a presentation on improving public speaking for business professionals when would you like to host that right and you're back right. in front of them again Followed by, hey, what other groups do you know would be interested in these presentations? <laughs> and if you are doing uh, comedy stage hypnosis, the all these groups, Rotary groups, Lions Clubs, etc., they looking for fundraisers. Yes. So we can do a, excuse me, a comedy hypnosis show, dinner show, whatever, and uh, you might pick up a show. Yeah. Well, it's that position of being the hypnotist rather than putting ourselves in the box of I'm only this. Yes. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Now, I love this. This is also coming up in August that you're going to be, as it's headlined, Hypnotist Extraordinaire for the first night at the HypnoThoughts Live convention. Oh, my God. Am I excited about that? Yeah. Uh, we teach our stage class, Jerry and I, at the Orleans Hotel for many years. So we're very familiar with it. And we've always been in Las Vegas. And so I've been there and I've been in that showroom to see uh, professional singers and so on. Dana Carvey and, and uh, Robert Cray. But now I'm going to be on stage and doing my show Friday night. And there are probably five acts that will precede my show. Jugglers and magicians and so on. And so I'm very excited about it. It's going to be off the hook. Love it. Love it. And the following my favorite business model of just be everywhere. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> seeing people there. So cool. Lots of opportunities. I love it. Tommy, I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. Thank you very much. It's awesome. I always love talking to you. Yeah, and I'll see you soon. Okay, have a great day. Oh, real quick, where can people find you online? Oh, 
Thank you very much. I am at TommyV.com, T-O-M-M-Y-V-E-E.com. My phone number, yes? Uh, we'll just put the website. That's easier. Perfect. Yeah, we'll link all of that over at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Is there is there a site for the stage hypnosis training? UltimateStageHypnosisSeminar.com. Nice. And we'll put links to this. We'll put links to the shows at HypnoThoughts all over in the details at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Tommy, I'll see you soon. See you in a few weeks. Bye, Jason. All right. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Hey there, Jason Lynette here. And once again, thanks so much for participating with this program. If you're attending any of the upcoming major conventions, whether it's NGH or HypnoThoughts Live, be sure to check in and pop into some of my programs and seminars and hop by the uh, table I've got in the exhibit hall and just say hello. As as everything on WorkSmartHypnosis.com is purple, just look for the purple tablecloth. That's where I will be. And we talked themes of confidence and this program here today with Tommy. And I'd ask you, how confident are you in guiding your clients to sufficiently deep levels of hypnosis? If this is an area that you, like many other practitioners out there, are experiencing a challenge with, I've put together an awesome resource. It's called Go Deep. And it's the guide to guiding your clients to profoundly deep hypnosis. It's a series of demonstrations, a series of lectures, as well as unpacking these techniques one by one, the ones that I use both in hypnotherapy as well as in stage environments, to sufficiently guide my clients and my volunteers to profoundly deep levels. It's several hours of content, and check this out. I'm going to give it to you for absolutely free. Head over to WorkSmartHypnosis.com and scroll down a little ways and off on the right border, you'll see a big, big button on the right side that says go deep. Click that button and that's going to get you instant access to this free online masterclass. Participate with this training, use this free content and become a hypnotic worker today. I'll see you next time.